0: Every you know, everyone has a story. We need to realize that everyone has a story, and so it was probably about three years ago. Maybe I was reading the L.A. Times or whatever uh, on a Sunday, and I suddenly realized that journalism has changed. It it, it used to be. A lot of it is storytelling. It's untruth. <laughs> as, as, is, as is, you know, almost every news uh, outlet that you want to think of. Regardless, you know, a lot of it is just storytelling. And, and, of course, we know that the word story can be used two ways. My mother would say to me sometimes when I was a child, are you telling a story? <laughs> okay. But um, anyway, I won't go there. Have you noticed the different, uh, that there is this different journalistic approach? So it used to be that when you read a story, probably 15 years ago, 10 years ago, when you read the front cover of the LA Times or whatever Sunday newspaper you want to think of, it, it would always start off with you know kind of the facts. The first paragraph, first two paragraphs are going to give you the facts, where, where the story happened and what it is about, But now, they often start off with a first-person story. And they use that to introduce some lightly constructed facts that they have gleaned from. It's different, you know. Where is truth in our world today? It's really hard to come by it, okay? But now they introduce, you know, the subject matter with a human interest story. So storytelling has taken on new significance as people are encouraged to discover their voice. Okay. Now, this creates for us a wonderful opportunity in terms of evangelism. Stories are important, but each one of us need to have some stories from our life that we can tell others. And we need to be open to listen to the stories that other people have to tell. And, of course, we know... One of the strengths of Jesus' ministry was his storytelling ability. He had great ability to tell stories. You know, they are called the parables. And when people ended up, you know, at the end of the day, they wondered what was the story about, and he explained it to the disciples. But, you know, having stories to tell others, I think, is really important in today's world because our world has shifted. Okay, so only our story is a fact-based story, both when it comes to the story of Jesus. There's two stories, as the very last uh, paragraph here says. Our task is to tell his story and our story in the hope that it may one day be their story. So there's two stories. There's his story, which is a a a truth story. It's not a falsified story. It's, it's not embellished. It, you know, it's given to us four times by four eyewitnesses who actually lived in his time. That's really truth-based, okay? So it's his story, and then we have a story. And, and we tell these two stories in the hopes that it will become the story of the person that we are talking to, okay? So stories are very important, and your story is important. And for me, I have more than one story in my life, as most of us do. The longer that you live for God, the more stories you should have. Stories about how when, I mean, I have a story about, about, about my mission trip, which was two days out from departure, I still needed about $3,200, okay? And in one day, it all came in just like that. I got a phone call from from someone that said, I I want to make a significant contribution. If you come to my house, I'll give you a check for that. And it was for (laughs) $2,500. And I said, thank you, Lord. (laughs) When I got on the plane, everything was paid for. That's a financial breakthrough story. So we have financial breakthrough stories. We have, we have healing stories, you know. We have other stories that we can tell people and then our actual conversion story. So everyone has a story to tell. And many years ago, some of you know him, some of you don't, but uh, up at Antioch there was this uh, well-known pastor, what was his name, Stevens? Monroe, Monroe Stevens, that's right. And he had this very vibrant and alive church. I suppose it was three to 400, something like that. It was a very wonderful church. Everybody loved to go up to that church. But I discovered the secret of how he got all those people in church. It was a very easy secret, I discovered. He, he loved talking to people. He would go in the hardware store, and as they were waiting on him, and he's about ready to leave, he said, Tell me what is the most wonderful thing that ever happened to you? And the person would begin to tell him everything, you know, this wonderful story. He said, now, I want to tell you the most wonderful thing that happened to me. And he talked about how he was a soldier in Korea and an an alcoholic and a partier and those kind of things. And then he met Jesus, and everything in his life changed. And he fell in love with Jesus, and God transformed his life and gave him a love for people. So, I mean, that's, a wonder, that, that's how he filled up that church, was just telling his story to other people. It seems too easy, doesn't it? But it's something that sometimes we don't do enough, okay? So why are stories important? We can move on to the next slide. And the first thing we have to realize that is that friends want to know about our story, How do you know when you're becoming someone's good friend? You begin telling each other about your life stories. You begin telling each other about when you were a child or when this happened or when that happened. And the funny thing about the trip I was just on is that um, because we were only four Americans and no one would really talk to us, so you can imagine, by the end of this trip of being 11 days together, we knew everything about everyone's (laughs) life because... Because in Europe, when they eat, they don't just spend 15 minutes in the fast food. They take a long time to eat, and they talk, and they talk, and they talk. Because eating is supposed to be an experience and a wonderful experience where people talk and share their hearts. So most, most of our evening meals would take two hours. It, 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 sometimes it would take longer than that. Because, you know, you start off with kind of a, you know, your salad, and then, you know, you go on, and then you get dessert, and then after that you have, have to have a cappuccino, and, and, you know, it just takes forever, doesn't it? And in the midst of that, we were telling each other our life stories, those people are very dangerous to me now because they know a lot of things about me. <laughs> 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 things that I don't broadcast, but not anything I'm ashamed of. Yeah. <laughs> but, but, you know, one way that you really become bonded to others is telling them your stories, and they tell you their story. Okay? So people want to know, does this God stuff work? Has you brought, he brought you identity and purpose? have you known his love in verifiable ways is what you're talking about is that real and in today's world real is have you experienced this it's not it's not just is this a religious head experience but have you have you met jesus do you talk with jesus is, is he real to you? Have you seen him in your show up in your life in the darkest moments? And if you have, then you have something to tell other people that will give them hope, that will bring them out of despair, that will touch them in a very deep way that you're just presenting the gospel to them will not touch them. But in order to do this, you always have to begin with the question, tell me, what is the most wonderful thing that has happened to you? Because you have to be willing to listen to them so that you have the right to tell them your story. So your story is important because friends are interested, they can relate to it, and it's hard to argue with. So we can ask this question, what is the most wonderful thing that has ever happened to you? Now, when we ask that question, we have to listen to them. And I believe that listening is an act of love. First of all, I've, I, listening does not come natural to me. You can tell that about me. I can get up here and go, blah, 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 you know. I, I, I always have a lot to say. And my family is really chaotic. We have, especially when us four girls get together because we all talk at the same time. <laughs> we're great talkers, and we're not very good listeners. So this is a skill that I have had to learn in my life. But I have discovered that if I will ask the right questions and listen, as I'm listening, the Holy Spirit will begin to give me something that will minister very deeply into their life, whether it's a word of knowledge or a word of wisdom or something that's prophetic. But I don't know the right next questions to ask them if I'm not listening to what they're saying. Listening is an act of love. Listening is an act of love. So we have to discover how to tell our story and how not to tell our story. Okay, so if there's anyone in the sound booth, I have a 10-minute video for you to watch. Is anybody back there? Okay. Okay. And this is a Bill Heibel's video, but I use it I use parts of his material. I use it because it's, it's interesting, okay? So there are ways to tell our story and ways not to tell our story. All right, someone's going. Okay, go to next, and I think it should start up.
1: Everybody loves a story, a personal story. It's just kind of that human interest thing that we all tend to respond to very well. So uh, if someone in a relational context at a party or any other place says, hey, you want to hear a story about the time I did this, or this thing happened to me, my reaction to that is, tell me your story. I'd, I'd love to hear it. Well, let's be very clear about something. It's quite possible to tell your faith story in a terrible way. I mean, in a way that makes people want to run for the doors. And uh, I've been in many settings where people didn't know who I was and they wanted to tell me their faith story. And uh, as I was listening to some folks tell me their faith story, I remember thinking, if I weren't a Christian, I'd become an avowed non-Christian after hearing your story. Stories get derailed in in a number of different ways.
0: Here's the
2: thing. I didn't realize how screwed up I was until I met this guy at the train station. But before I get to that, I've got to give you a little bit about my background.
1: Almost every faith story that has been told to me has been way longer than it should have been. Sometimes I think my clothing is gonna go out of fashion by the time they finish the story. Even after that, I still had a wild and crazy upbringing. Take my school
2: bus rides, for example.
1: Get to the point. Why did you pursue a faith experience? What happened? What's changed? And mercifully end the story. You know, someone can always ask you a follow-up question. You know, I met my wife there. She was a real looker. Do not oversupply and kill the demand.
0: I think I've always believed in something, or wanted to believe in something. I think humans have a deep need to believe. You know, there's a longing for significance and meaning.
1: Unlike the animal kingdom, you know, dogs and apes and gerbils. (laughs) Another thing that just drives me crazy is when someone is telling me their faith story and they're not clear. They go on and on and I go, in my mind, I I say to myself, well, be specific. What did actually happen?
0: But We've got this spirit force in us that's
2: longing to be tapped and set free
1: shoot straight make it clear to me so that when you're done with your story i kind of know the deal i know the facts i I know exactly what you went through if you fuzz around the whole thing uh there's really no clarity for me to to reckon with after you're done with your story This guy comes up and sits right next to me and starts talking to me.
2: I mean, you don't talk to people on the train that you don't know, right?
1: I pray all the time now. I pray for friends like you, you know, whose whose lives are going nowhere. I pray for understanding that God will help me know what's wrong with people so that, you know, I can be a lifesaver for them. If a story starts with any air of superiority... I'm done. I don't want to listen to it. I'm giving up a storm.
0: <laughs> yeah, just ask my kids.
1: Uh, they'll say that you know I am the primo dad of the universe. Let's ask my church. Ask them who donated the money for the new wing. If a person starts out saying, "Well, obviously, you know, I kind of know something that you don't, and I've experienced something that you haven't, and I know the right way, and you probably don't, again, as the listener, I'm done. I don't need you being superior to me. And uh, most people really don't like the feeling of being demeaned or devalued.
2: Uh, wait, where, where was I? Oh, oh, yeah, yeah, my school bus driver. So, anyway.
0: Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, a royal diadem in the hand of God. Thou shalt no longer be termed forsaken.
1: When I hear someone tell a faith story, and it's filled with religious terminology, I really wonder if they've thought through the uh, the condition of the listener. Does that listener really understand the terms that we get familiar with in uh, religious circles?
0: Thou shalt be called hesfapa, <laughs> and thy land... Beulah, the Lord delighted in thee.
1: I think we have to work much harder to describe our faith story using the kind of terms that everybody uses in regular, everyday conversation. Now, it takes discipline to do that. And I often encourage people to actually write out their faith story, word for word, not to commit it to memory, but to expunge the religious jargon from it. But he says he's going to buy me a
2: ticket. And who turns down a free ticket, right? So I go, and I had a great time. You know, I mean, uh, there was no, no drugs, no booze. You know, somewhere in the Bible, it talks about being nice to strangers because you don't know. They could be angels. Oh, yeah. That's happened to me.
1: And whatever you do, do not tell your weird God story when you're communicating your faith story to someone else, I mean, all of us have some bizarre thing that's happened to us that we think maybe God arranged. We saw stars that were aligned in a certain way, and saw a cross. Or you know, I've heard a hundred weird God stories.
2: I was in Starbucks once talking to a person. I paid my bill, turned around, he was gone. Now that was an angel. It had a huge impact on me. Oh, and our dreams. Oh, I have lots of dreams.
1: You can tell them in closed session among Christ followers. Okay, don't lead with that card when you're describing your faith to someone who has no faith.
2: And you've got to pay attention to that because God is speaking to you. He's reaching out to you right in the middle of the night.
1: It's just bizarre. It, it's not the central thrust of the Christian message that we're trying to communicate. So you know what I ended up doing? Flipping burgers. <laughs> at 22
2: years old. And what the heck am I doing? You know, I used to ask myself that question every night. And what the heck am I doing? Uh, wh- wh- where am I going with my life? What's, what's life about
1: anyway? You know what I mean? Stop, I've had enough. <laughs> no more stories like that. Stories can be powerful if they're told right. Stories like that can do more harm than good. We can do better. I think when someone's telling a faith story, what the listener wants to know is um, what were you like before your religious experience happened? What kind of led up to that? What was the experience and how did it change you? So it really is kind of the classic before and after. The Apostle Paul in the New Testament when he was put on trial for being a Christian, for spreading his faith Uh, He just looked at the people in the jury box, if you will, and uh, he said, here's what I was like. Here's the kind of man I was. Prideful and uh, overly aggressive, mean-spirited. I was out to wreck people. I met Jesus Christ in a personal powerful way and that old person is gone now. And here's the work that Christ is doing in my life now. And he just silenced the whole court. Before, Christ, I'm a new man now. When the opportunity arises for me to tell my story, I just say it very simply. I grew up thinking that I had to perform and achieve and impress a God who I knew I had disappointed. But there was never a sense of when I had done enough, performed enough, achieved enough for God. And then I stumbled into the story of grace. I found out that what Christ did for me on the cross was enough for me to be made right with God. And when I learned that and opened my life up to it, the peace that passes human understanding, I mean, it's hard to describe, came flooding into my life. And uh, I've been living differently, experiencing life differently ever since. A well-told story can be a powerful tool in pointing people to faith. For some people, the story is materialism, greed, money, Christ. Then it's generosity, love, serving. I was all about the next deal. I only bothered with personal relationships when they could further my career. Somehow, though, I got introduced to Jesus Christ and my priorities went haywire. Everything turned upside down, which really surprised my wife and kids. After all these years, I'm finally getting it right. Did you hear how clear that was? Just before, Christ, after. For some people, it's image, uh, beauty, wanting to be the center of attention. Then it's Christ, and then it's giving of yourself to others and being less wound up in yourself.
2: A 40-year-old cheerleader isn't all that appealing, and it's actually obnoxious. But that's who I would become. But then a girlfriend of mine took a chance and gave me a book. It was about finding your identity in God. That shattered my whole world and changed all my ideas about what life was really about. It's such a shift for me, but I finally feel like the real me is surfacing.
1: Brevity. Just saying it and ending it. Let people ask follow-up questions, but, oh, be brief. For other people, it's like hatred and uh, internal firestorm of anxiety and all of that, Christ, and then love of another kind. I was angry at everything, everybody, including God.
2: The way I figured it, the world owed me big time, and I wasn't getting my due. After finding Christ, though, an amazing thing happened. My new Christian friends showed me real love and compassion. And for the first time,
1: I was able to be real with people. Humility it just disarms people the the genuineness of a story told from the heart who can argue with that but whatever it is you got to relive what it, what it, what really happened to you what was leading up to the faith experience and how are you different on the other side
0: pray for our friends pray for our neighborhoods pray for opportunities we need to prepare ourselves Sometimes we can do that through the books that we read. And I want to say all you have to do is go out to YouTube to go to sites like even uh, Ravi Zacharias and Tim, Timothy Keller. There's lots of materials on YouTube if, if you're the, uh, you know, that kind of person that wants to, wants to learn in that more visual way instead of an auditory way rather than, than uh, just by books. I don't say that that takes the place of books, But I know a lot of learners today prefer other learning styles. But there are other things that are produced for other learning styles. But you can prepare yourself because these kind of sites like Ravi Zacharias, uh, Timothy Keller, uh, you can even look at Lee Strobel, those do the preparation to help us to learn how to talk with authority and with confidence. But you have to have the spiritual preparation as well, not the answers, the intellectual answers alone. But you have to have the spiritual preparation as well. But then then we have to make the choices, don't we? We just have to get started. So let's just stand up, shall we? That will give all of us a break. Yeah? (laughs) You've been sitting a long time. We will stretch and say, we love you, Jesus. (laughs) We raise our hands and say, we are so totally passionately Uh, totally absolutely no words to describe it we're in love with you Jesus Uh, we love you we love you and we're in love with you and all we want to do is live for your glory oh Lord you know here I am this age but I want to burn brighter than I've ever burned before (laughs) I want to burn I want to burn I want to burn with your holy fire oh Lord I want to burn for your glory, even as, as John Wesley said. Set yourself on fire, and the world will see you come and burn out. So we want to burn for you, God. And we want this fiery love to spill over into our neighborhoods, to spill over into our schools, to spill over into the marketplace, to spill over into our jobs, O oh Lord, to spill over into the lives of those that we meet, O oh God. Burn within us, Holy Spirit, because if you will fill us with that intensity of love for you, it will be so easy to share our faith. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. Thank you. Oh, thank you for loving us. Thank you for your patience with us. And if any of us, you know, need to repent right now, we do that. We do it with joy and say, Lord, I know this is not a strong area of my life that i'm asking you to come and to forgive me for all of the opportunities and missed moments i've i've missed and put those under the blood of jesus and help me to begin afresh today living every new every day new to please you to honor you and to touch others with your grace and your glory